0: Welcome to the Pursuit of Peace podcast. My name is Parul and I am obsessed with everything holistic health and spirituality. I am determined to uplevel my mind, body and spirit to create a life beyond my wildest dreams. I truly believe that we're all looking to create a sense of lasting inner peace through all our pursuits in life. Health, wealth, relationships, spirituality, business, jobs or a college degree. Whatever that might look like for you at the moment, the goal is same. To find that blissful state, that lasting joy and inner peace. And the intention behind this podcast is to share my quest for inner peace so that might kickstart your journey to discover the source of that true lasting joy and bliss that I feel can only be created from the inside out. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Pursuit of Peace podcast. Today, I have a very special guest who will not only talk about some important beliefs around money, which holds back most people when it comes to investing or handling personal finances, but will also discuss the practical aspect of it and how you can get started with the basics of investing. Deirdre Smith is a financial coach and investor and the founder of LOD Wealth. She holds a master's degree in wealth management from Columbia University. Over the past decade, she's worked to become financially free through investing and financial education. After achieving this goal for herself, she realized that it was her calling to share her work with the world. Welcome, Deirdre. Thanks, Pearl. I'm really happy to be here. Do I get your name right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So tell me, what's your story? Were you always interested in finance and investing, or this is something that happened for you?
1: How did it begin? Oh, yeah. Um, so no, I was not interested at all. Actually, um, in undergrad, I studied art history, and I um, lived in Italy, and just <laughs> basically wandered around during classes and um, and learned about Art and architecture around me, which was wonderful. Um, And then I ended up, you know, looking for a job right after the um, financial crisis. And it was a really shocking experience for me to, uh, you know, have this somewhat, you know, not extremely useful degree and be looking for a job when, you know, the market had completely disintegrated. And, um, it was actually, it was a pretty confusing and challenging time. And I didn't really understand what was going on. And I realized I sort of lacked this fundamental knowledge about how the world works and how, um, how markets work and businesses and all of that. And I ended up actually working in New York city for a philanthropist, um, so she was a, a very wealthy individual who would give away large sums of money to different um, causes and organizations that she was passionate about. And I, I helped her create programs for um, inner city school children. And it was, it was such a great um, way for me to start to learn about what, what money, what a lot of wealth could actually do in the world. And I became really interested in how she had actually uh, become so wealthy. And it was, it was through um, her husband had uh, grown their wealth through a hedge fund, actually, and I (laughs) I didn't even know what that was. Um, And so I just, I became interested. Uh, I became interested in, in all of these things because just because of the the time that I was looking for my first job, and the um, person who I went to work for, and it was just a really, it was just a really um, interesting sort of point in time for everybody. Um, and then I, as I was also, you know, in my early twenties, going through this, I was really passionate about um, yoga. I became a yoga teacher. I was really passionate about meditation and I, I really loved pursuing those things um, in my free time. And it, it sort of dawned on me that I would really love to basically not have to work every day for, you know, 45 years, which is sort of what everybody expects in the US. They expect that they're going to work until they're 65 and then get a few years off (laughs) to enjoy their life. And, uh, i just became really curious about, you know, other ways of living and other ways of, um, other ways of creating a life for yourself. So, um, I ended up deciding that I wanted to switch careers and I wanted to work in finance and I really wanted to, um, sort of immerse myself in this world so that I could hopefully learn the skills and gain the knowledge I needed to create sort of a a wealthier life for myself, where one where I could stop working when I chose um, and hopefully, you know, essentially own my time um, before the age of 65. And I had no idea what I was doing at all, (laughs) but... Um, I did actually make that career change and I started to teach myself and I realized that, um, you know, a lot of people actually didn't know how to do what I was doing, even people who worked in finance. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was really interesting to me. So I, you know, it was largely teaching myself. I was asking a lot of the people who I worked with a lot of questions And I was sort of building up my abilities and my confidence as I went. And one really cool thing is because I was so young, um, I was able to make really risky investments because when you're younger, you have more time. You know, if if you make a risky investment and you lose all of your money, but you're 28, (laughs) you know, it's not a big deal. You can continue to work and make more money and invest and, and it's, it won't significantly impact you. So Um, I, I ended up making very risky investments and a lot of them did really well. Um, and, you know, as I was going, I was just gaining all of this incredible knowledge and, and realizing that it was actually very fun for me to, for me to do this. And I got to a certain point where I, I realized that I wanted to share what I had done with the world because, so few people really know how to create financial freedom and create wealth. And uh, I think we, you know, we had talked about, or you had mentioned um, some of it as mindset. I think a lot of people don't even think that it's a reality for them. And so they do not pursue it until much later in life um, when it's actually harder to achieve. <clears throat> so that was, that was part of how I got to where I am today. And then um, then I decided that, you know, if I really wanted to switch into working directly with people and sort of sharing everything I had learned, I wanted to do a little bit more, lay a little bit more of the foundation. Um, and that was right around the time that um, Columbia University actually Launched this entirely new master's program in wealth management, and so I was—I uh, applied to be a member of the first class, and I—I I got accepted. And um, it was a really fantastic experience, where not only did I learn so much more than I think I could have uh, if I was just entirely self-taught, I also was able to meet about. I think there were 17 of us in total. So 16 other people who do completely different things in this industry. And what's really cool about that is that everybody does things differently and everybody has a different expertise. So, um, you know, one of our classmates used to be an accountant and he knows everything about taxes. And then another one of our classmates uh, works with... um, successful startups. So he knows everything there is to know about, um, stock options when you work at a startup and the startup does really well. Um, so there were just, there are all these people sort of in my community now who I can turn to for complex, um, you know, questions and, and also just, you know, I can, send the whole group a message saying, what do you guys think about this investment I read about? And hear 10 different answers, which is, it's really, it's really a cool thing to be a part of. So I love that I'm able to um, access that resource for other people as well.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So it's not like you were born with this knowledge. It's not like you saw this in your home growing up. You taught yourself. And then you found a more formal way of educating yourself and
1: implementing what you learned in your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I will say, <clears throat> my dad actually is an accountant, but um, what we do is very different. So I, I really was not interested in anything <laughs> that he was sort of sharing with me. Um, but he was extremely supportive, and and while you know, to someone new, this might sound like it's all kind of the same thing. It's, it's actually very different. So accounting is, is pretty, pretty significantly different than investing. And, and that's where my passion is, is teaching people to invest. So I definitely had, I definitely had support. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of people telling me that this is a great direction to go in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, I had, I mean, I went from, from zero to a hundred and I, I definitely want to share that it's, it's totally possible. Um, You know, for some, I, I was just, I just loved my life in New York and I loved doing yoga and meditating. And I was working for this philanthropist and I, uh, I was largely self-taught and, uh, and I think, yeah, I think it's really powerful. To learn that, you know, you don't need to make a huge amount of money. Uh, You don't need to love spreadsheets and you also don't need to, you know, understand all of the articles that you read about the market in order to build wealth and take control of your finances. Mm -hmm. I think it can be really, really daunting when you start. It can seem really scary, but um, you can take it from me. you. You don't have to be an expert at all of those things um, in order to do really well.
0: That is such a relief because a lot of us feel that we aren't capable of handling finances. It is too complicated. It is too risky. And especially a lot of women who I interact with um, have the same fears. I mean, I am one of those women, you know, who didn't know anything about investing until probably last year. But what breaks my heart is when I have these women come to me who want to work with me and they are financially dependent on their husbands, on their parents, all age groups. And this is the reason why I thought I need to get you here because we need to firstly work through some of the beliefs that people have in general about investing in personal finances, but also specifically certain beliefs about money that women internalize. So what do you Mm -hmm. have to say about that? Do you come across some of those stereotypical beliefs as well? Oh, yeah. I
1: think that is, that's, I mean, unfortunately uh, universal. Um, I see that all the time. And I I think one one thing I love to share is that when you're an investor, if you think you are really, really great (laughs) at investing, (laughs) it opens you up to make more mistakes and mistakes can cost you a lot of money. And because a lot of women don't feel confident that they are good, good at investing or that they're going to be able to be good at investing. um, They actually end up being better investors because they don't take unnecessary risks. So, yeah. So that, you know, If if you meet somebody who thinks that they are incredible at investing, Mm -hmm. you know, give it give it five years, and uh, I I think the person who thought they were not good at investing is going to end up outperforming and you know making more money. So it's fine it's fine if you think um, that it's a little scary. It is a little scary. You should approach it with caution as you approach most things, right? I mean when you're driving a car, you should approach driving a car with caution, but you can absolutely learn how to do it, even though it's complicated and you can do it safely and smartly. Yeah. I think, I think women are are actually a lot better equipped than they have been told. And that's another thing that I really think is important to touch on. So I was always actually pretty, I was pretty good at managing my own finances, but you know, every article I'd ever read in like magazines and things like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if people get magazines anymore, but we did when I was a teenager and everything I'd ever seen that was aimed towards me was about saving and, you know, sort of restricting yourself, you know, don't buy those shoes. You should save that money. You should put it in a bank account. And then what I didn't realize is that men, we're often getting articles telling them that they should be investing. Mm-hmm. And what's frustrating about that is that saving money is not ever going to make you wealthy. Investing money is the path to wealth. So women are basically consistently given this bad advice that, you know, you know, we can't handle money and we we overindulge ourselves and that we should just be, you know, stacking up our cash in a bank account where it doesn't ever grow while men are taught to take risks and invest in the stock market and watch their money go up as the market goes up and it's it's kind of a shame. So that's something that I'm really passionate about and even though I I actually work with a lot of men as well who just didn't necessarily engage with personal finance at all, but it, I was always very compelled to help women learn that not only can you invest, you're probably going to do a really great job if you if you take caution, because you know if if you're not cautious and you invest, it's it can be give you a you know a really bad outcome. So, so it's actually it's actually a great thing.
0: Perfect. So, tell me. If we are supposed to be cautious, then isn't keeping money in a savings account
1: less risky? Well, that is a really great question. Mm-hmm. So there is, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be frightened, but mm-hmm. I will say there is nothing you can do with your money that is not risky,
0: mm-hmm.
1: including put it in a bank account. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that, is there is risk if you invest in the stock market, there is risk if you invest in government bonds, which are much safer than investing in the stock market. And then if you put your money in a savings account, there's a huge risk. Um, and, And there are two pieces to this risk. One is the money that you put in a savings account is never going to grow so you're you're losing out on the opportunity to grow your money because you're not even you're not even sort of playing right you're not even in the in the game and the other thing is that there's inflation risk which what that means is over time the price of everything goes up and it's called inflation so if you go to the grocery store and buy you know a gallon of milk that milk is going to cost twice as much as it did 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So think about that 20 years ago, if you had enough money to pay for everything you needed in a month for the rest of your life, but you left it in a bank account Mm -hmm. today, everything that you need on a monthly basis costs twice as much. Mm -hmm. So suddenly your money is worth half as much as it used to be worth. Because when you go to buy milk, it used to cost $2 and now it costs $4. So that's the risk with putting your money in a savings account or a bank account. But I also want to just say quickly, it is always a really good idea to have some money sitting in your savings account. And the standard that works for most people is three to six months of your expenses. And so if you basically, if your income, if something happened to your income and you needed to pay all of your bills, you could pay all of your bills for three to six months with just the money that's sitting in cash. And that is a really great thing to have, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you are in life, it's just, it's just a really smart idea. And that's called an emergency fund. Perfect. So what you mean is that if we
0: keep money in the savings account, like a lot of us do and have done historically, then 20 years later or 30 years later, we're going to be poorer because
1: the value of that money is going to decrease, right? Perfect. That's exactly right. But if you'd invested the money Mm -hmm. into, for example, um, an index fund that index funds are very easy to invest in and they're diversified, so you don't have to worry about what to, uh, stocks to pick. If you had invested in a an index fund, your money would have like quadrupled. Okay. So are index funds the same as mutual funds? No, there are a bunch of different funds you can buy. And basically, they're not the same, but what you need to know about them is... When you are buying either an index fund or a mutual fund, you're typically buying, so you're buying something that is, that exists and it's a fund and inside the fund is a bunch of different investments.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's true for, for both. Mm -hmm. So for example, there's an index fund called VOO and I own, I own some VOO and inside VOO, there is Google stock, there's Amazon stock, Netflix stock, Microsoft stock, and you know the list goes on. So because I just bought that, I actually bought into all of those companies. So the reason that these funds are really helpful is because if one company fails, like let's say there's a scandal and – the CEO of a, of a company that seemed like it was never going to fail. It t- turns out he was like falsifying records and, you know, just lying about how the company was doing. And all of a sudden that company stock goes to zero. The reason that these funds are great is because when you own an index fund, if one of the companies fails, that's only a small part of what you own. So If you individually own like three or four different company stocks and one of them fails, you could lose a huge amount of your money. But if you own something that it's called diversification. So if you own one of these funds that has a lot of different companies within it, you're protected basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you explain through an example in terms of like, if I invest say hundred dollars in this index fund. So what's happening Mm -hmm. over here in this situation? What's happening with your money? Mm -hmm. Like in the same scenario, like, you know, one company goes
1: broke. So what happens then? Well, so if you have a hundred dollars of an index fund, Mm -hmm. so the one that I mentioned, it has about 500 stocks in it. Mm -hmm. So if one company goes to zero, Mm -hmm. you might lose a dollar but all the other companies are probably making money. So you actually wouldn't even your hundred dollars wouldn't go down to 99. It would probably still go up. It would probably go up because all the other companies are going up and that's, Mm -hmm. so there are definitely periods of time where um, the whole market is doing poorly. Actually the whole market is doing poorly right now as we, as we speak. Um, And, and so Your investment can go down. The idea is that if you invest for a period of, you know, five to 10 to 20 years, the stock market has historically gone up over longer periods of time. So it's a lot safer if you have a lot of time before you would need the money. For example, if you're investing for your retirement, when you're 30 or 40, or even 50 years old, you you probably have at least 10, if not more years before you'd actually need your retirement money. So when the market goes down, you don't have to worry about it because historically it has always come back up. And I'm talking about, also, I just want to be clear. I am specifically talking about the U.S. stock market. That's okay. I, I am based in the U S so <laughs> that's yeah, that's my... all
0: right. I just want people yeah. to get educated about how these things work. And then of course, apply mm-hmm. these concepts in whichever country they're in, you know, in their lives.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Absolutely. So yeah, I encourage everybody to sort of look up the, the market and you can, you can see sort of how it's grown over time. And once you see how, you know, how different things have grown over time, it, it does get kind of exciting to think of the fact that your money can can you know triple in a couple of decades. And if you invest consistently, you can sort of feel confident that you will be able to achieve financial freedom at some point in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you mentioned was that you know we should invest over a longer period of time, which is five, 10, 20 years. So Mm -hmm. how do we do that? Like for somebody who's just starting out and they don't know how to set financial goals, how do they start out? And is there like a one size fits all approach or is it individual? And what do we base it on?
1: So that's a great question. There are some general rules that work for everybody, but I think it is largely personal for a couple of reasons. One is... You have to know what's motivating to you. So it, a lot of, you know, a lot of 20 year olds are not excited to invest for retirement, which seems really far away. They might be excited to invest, you know, for maybe buying a house in 10 years. And it doesn't, I, I have to be honest, it doesn't really matter what, um, if you're picking a goal that's 10 or 20 or 30 years out in the future it doesn't completely matter what you are picking as a goal because honestly, 15 years ago, any guess that I could have come up with about where I would be today would have been really wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people knew exactly how they who they would be mm-hmm. 20 years ago? So I think what's really important is whatever feels exciting and whatever you can connect with, is, is the best place to start. And then I'd say for setting goals, it's sort of how can you enjoy your life and still enjoy your money today? Um, so I don't think you should, you know, deprive yourself of everything fun, but then past a certain point of you are enjoying your life today, how much can you put away? Because the fact of the matter is it's always good to have it's always good to have um, money, right? You never know what's coming. You never know um, what's going to happen next year. Maybe, you know, I, I had no intention of going to graduate school at all, but I was able to just go to graduate school and pay for it because I had saved and invested so much for so long that even though I didn't know what I was going to use the money for, I knew, it was going to help me live a better life in the future. And um, yeah. And I think that's sort of a really important lesson to learn is it's always, you will always need it for something. So however you can emotionally connect to a goal in order to put yourself on the right track, whether you use it for that goal or not, it it doesn't matter.
0: Mm -hmm. So our goals are going to change, but is it Mm -hmm. also based on our values, like what we value in life, for instance, you know, Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, I think one thing that I, I love to work on with clients is uh, the idea of, you know, a lot of us sort of just, I mean, think about, think about when you're a child, you grow up and you sort of, you learn about how the world works by watching other people and you mirror them. I have a, I have a niece who's about to turn one and it's, it's so fun to watch her and, you know, it's so fun to watch her take in what everyone around her is doing and then And then imitate us Um, and that's how you learn and it's the same thing with spending money you see what everybody else is spending money on and you spend money on the same things and one exercise that is so powerful is to look back at the previous month of spending or you know whatever time period is easy for you and to think about how each expenditure so how each thing that you purchased or spent money on, how did it make you feel? And did it align with your values? Or were you just doing it because everybody does it? So for example, this is kind of funny because my husband and I are polar opposites on this one. I do not care that much about uh, really fancy meals. (laughs) (laughs) and so many of my friends love going out to these really um, amazing restaurants for the food specifically. And I know that if they're going to go out and spend a lot of money on a meal, it's it's probably not really worth it to me. And I might go to spend time with my friends, but I know that I'd much rather spend money on, for example, going to a really beautiful restaurant that's on the beach where we can go for a walk afterwards because that's more, that's more in line with what I value. I value time in nature and enjoying quality time one-on-one with friends. And I don't really value like experiencing great cuisine. And so as you start to look back, you'll, you'll realize, oh, I spent a lot of money on this type of thing and I didn't actually like it that much. And then there's this other thing that I don't spend a lot of money on, but I really want to. Mm -hmm. And it can be anything, right? Like for me, I love, you know, i talked a little bit about yoga. I love yoga. I love going on yoga retreats. And that is something that brings me so much joy. So I think when you start to pay attention to your spending- Uh, you can start to align your spending with your values. And then you can also start to cut back on things. You find the extra money when you cut back on things that don't really excite you or make you happy. And then this, obviously, you can do something kind of similar when you are setting goals for the future. And again, your values are likely going to change from the age of 25 to 35 to 45, but it's good to emotionally connect with your goals because it gets you much more excited to actually put the, put the work in and set the money aside and invest.
0: Mm -hmm. So understanding what I enjoy spending on and what is it that I'm doing just because I'm being a part of a group or just because everybody around me
1: is doing it. And then Mm -hmm. sort of making changes there and putting that money aside. Yeah. And I, exactly. And I think another thing is one thing that I see a lot is people when they buy, for example, when they buy a car, that's an example of an expense that if you don't love cars, but you choose a car that's at the you know the top of your budget, chances are pretty good that you would have been a lot happier spending that extra money every month somewhere else. So it's really also important to think about these things when you're looking at the big purchases too. Even if all of your friends have a certain kind of car and you're just, oh, okay, I guess I'll get that car. I've heard it's a good car. <laughs> um, just you know, think think more about, well, what really brings you joy and and increase the spending on those?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then reduce the spending on other things and use that money to invest. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. I think there are a couple of different I mean, it depends on where you are in life and it depends on how much money you have and make, um, obviously. Uh, if, you're, if you're currently spending all of your money, then when you start to cut back on things that, you, that don't bring you joy, I, I would recommend taking that money and investing it. Obviously, also building up an emergency fund, which we mentioned earlier. So building up a safety net in case anything ever happened and you needed the money for an emergency and then investing after that. But if, you know, if you are com- very comfortable and you have a little bit of extra money, I think it's really important to enjoy enjoy this process. So if you can both set aside money for investing and also set aside extra money from, you know, take it out of the, the expenditures that don't bring you joy and put it into the ones that do, that's that's a great um, It's a great way to build momentum and, and sort of make the process of getting your financial life in order really fun.
0: Mm -hmm. So one of the first, sorry, did I cut you? No. Okay. So uh, one of the first things that one can start with is building an emergency fund, which is three to six months of our expenditure
1: in the savings account. Is that right? That's right. Yep. And you never want to invest your emergency fund because like I said, sometimes the market's down. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole point of an emergency fund is that it's there when you need it. Uh-huh. So anything, yeah. So you always want to keep that in your bank account and not invested.
0: Okay. Because we're investing for a minimum of five years, at least, you know. Right.
1: Yeah. That- because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, again, for the same exact reason, because we we know that the market has always gone up over time, but it sometimes goes down in the short term. And we just don't know when that's Mm going to happen, you know, if, obviously if we could see the future, we'd all be really good investors, but we, uh, (laughs) we have to just make sure we're, we're, um, being careful. So the longer time horizon, yeah. The five years is really important for investing. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Keep that emergency fund aside.
1: And then if we have extra
0: money, then start investing it. So is it then good to start investing at, an early age, or should we wait
1: to, you know, get more money and then get started? If you can invest at an early age, please do it. The money that you invest um, in your twenties and thirties is worth a lot more money than the money you invest in your forties and fifties. And the reason for that is your investments um, grow over time, and the longer That your money is invested, the more it grows. For example, uh, in in different periods of time, you, you might have seen an investment double every 10 years if you've invested in the US stock market. So if you invested $100 today, it would be $200 in 10 years. And then another ten years later, it would be four hundred dollars. And then another ten years, and it would be eight hundred. So the earlier that you put your money in, it, it's significantly more valuable. So anybody out there who's thinking, "Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't start investing because I'm so young," no, it's the opposite. If you invest money for the next ten years, you 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 might be able to retire early. You might be able to later in life take a job that you're passionate about but that doesn't pay as much it'll just open a lot more doors for you because it grows over time and so the more time the better
0: mm-hmm. even if the amount being invested is smaller
1: yep absolutely it's that's totally normal you know when you're when you're young you're typically building your life and you're building up your income as well and it's really normal that you wouldn't be able to invest a lot but the little amounts that you invest again, they just, they can get really big over time. Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, most of us don't grow up with this kind of knowledge. So if I'm in my 30s or somebody is in their 40s and they're listening, is it too late to start?
1: Absolutely not. No. In fact, I mean, a lot of people don't get started until much later. So it's just it's really a great, you know, the best time to start investing is always 10 years ago. Um, But the second best time is always today. So don't feel disheartened. Um, I definitely want to encourage anybody who's very young to start investing because it's, it can change your life um, for the better. But I think it's, it's really common for people to start when they're older. And even in, you know, even in your thirties, I think you're ahead of the game. So yeah. I think, I think this should not, this should not discourage anybody from starting today because in 10 years you could have, you know, you could have a, a much different, uh, bigger set of options in front of you as a result. And, and who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want more options and more freedom in their life? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So now that we've understood that, you know, investments and, personal finance goals depend on what we value in our life, then how should I go about it? Like if, say for instance, I value having a car of my own and I want to buy that, say a year into the future, should I invest that money? Where should I keep it?
1: Yeah. So um, that's a great question. And that brings us back to the if you're going to need the money in the next few years, you don't want to invest it because we don't know what's going to happen to the market. Sometimes the market goes down in the, in the short term and takes a while to recover. So if you're saving up money to buy a car um, and you, you want to buy that car within the next three to three years or five years, it's probably best to keep that in a bank account.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And then investing is, you know, you can still invest a smaller amount as you're saving up for the car. You can still go and put money into, you know, into different investments and and just plan that that money is for something else um, further out in the future.
0: Okay. So typically something like maybe if I have to pay for my kid's college, then that would be a good investment to make <clears throat> in a financial instrument, like, you know, like index funds, for instance, is it?
1: Uh, Yeah. It would be, I mean, obviously, depending how long you have before college, right? Uh, if, if college is in four years, then you you might want to look for less risky investments. Mm-hmm. Um, but if college is in 15 years or 10 years, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And what would yep. the less risky options be if we could talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I don't want to get too uh, in the weeds. So you can tell me if I'm... Mm-hmm if I'm being confusing, but, uh, there are a lot of different ways to invest money. And basically, you know, in in the U S we have what is called bonds and you can have bonds can be issued by the government Mm -hmm. and and they can also be issued by different companies. And then they're ranked, they're rated, um, based on how safe they are. Mm -hmm. And so what a bond is, is let me take it back a step. When you buy stock in a company, you basically own a small piece of that company. That's what stock is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you buy a bond, you've loaned money. So you can buy a bond from the government or from a company, and you've loaned that that entity your money, and they have to pay you back and pay you back with interest. So it's a much... You know, there's a much smaller return than investing in stocks, but it's a lot safer because as long as you're picking, as long as you're picking very safe bonds, which you can figure out because they're they're actually rated, like they're given a grade. If you buy very safe bonds, you can uh, like basically get a guaranteed much smaller return, which is safer. But essentially, if you invest in safer investments you won't make as much money. That's the general rule of thumb. So this isn't to say go and invest in something that's wild and irresponsible. It's to say um, typically companies that uh, are going to grow a lot could also fail. And then typically things that are very safe investments, they they won't necessarily gain as much money because they're already established. So let me give you an example. If there is a startup Mm -hmm. that is building a new technology and they haven't quite, you know, they haven't quite gotten there yet in terms of what they're building. They haven't quite succeeded yet. That stock could go to zero if you buy it. say you buy it for $10, it could go to zero. It could go to a thousand. So that's risk Mm -hmm. because you could lose all of your money, but you also have the potential to make a lot of money, whereas um, with a bond, there there's a limit to the, how much money you can make, mm-hmm. but you're also very very safe that your money is not going to go to zero. So, again, this isn't to say be be risky and uns in the in the way of like being unsafe. It's to say um, risk in investing um, in a like a diversified way. Diversified means you buy a bunch of different types of investments. Mm-hmm. Um, the more risk you take, the more potential you have for your money to grow.
0: One of the other questions that I wanted to ask you, because I know this is a big one. When people listen to all this information, and it gets them confused in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They feel that, you know, I don't want to get into all of this. I should just buy a property and, you know, that's the safest investment.
1: Is that so? Um, no. <laughs> it's Why? Not. Yeah. So just like you don't know what's going to happen in the stock market, you also don't know what's going to happen in the uh, real estate market. So if you buy a property, it, it might turn out to have been a great investment, but it could also lose money. And so you remember I talked a little bit about diversification. So diversification is just the number one most important thing that you need to do when you're investing, when you're learning to invest. And that's why I talked a little bit about index funds, because they are diversified and they do it for you. And so what diversification is, is um, in the in the US, we have a saying that you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. Do you, do you know what that means? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay diversifying is, you know, putting your eggs in all of these different baskets. And if you buy one property and that's all of your, you know, everything you own, that is putting all of your eggs in one basket. You know, if you, if you want to buy property and that's how you want to invest and that's how you want to grow wealthy, um, it makes a lot of sense to over time buy different properties in different areas for different reasons. Like maybe you would buy an apartment building, and maybe you would buy um, some commercial property, like a warehouse that can be rented out by somebody who uses it. And then the reason that's really, really a great idea is because you just don't know if that, you know, maybe that area is going to go down, the property value is going to go down. So if you buy one property, it's not diversified. And historically, that has been a great way to build wealth. Mm -hmm. But we just don't know that in the next 10 years that will actually make money instead of lose money. Mm-hmm. So I think it is actually that there's risk, like I said before, there's risk in anything that you do with your money. And that's a that's a pretty big risk that I think a lot of people don't know um, when it comes to you know buying a home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And also you need to kind of have a lot more to buy a property. Yes. <laughs> yes. I live in LA. <laughs> you mm-hmm. need to have a lot more money to buy property. I don't I don't know if um what the prices are like near you, but uh, especially during COVID, the housing prices went went up a lot here. Mm-hmm. But
0: you've still created <laughs> wealth for yourself without having bought a property.
1: Yeah, so I want to be, you know, I want to be clear buying property can be a great way to build wealth. Um, I know a lot of people who've built built wealth that way um, successfully, but I also, <clears throat> I also know people who've lost money um, investing in property. And I personally made all of my money investing in companies. Wow. Okay. So there's yeah. no one yeah. right way, but. Oh no, no, there's so many different ways. And I think it's, whatever is you're passionate about, if you can learn a lot about it and uh, make sure you're diversifying, it's great. Perfect. So anybody
0: who is listening right now, what would you want to tell them? What advice would you want to
1: give them as we wrap up this session, this podcast episode? (laughs) Yeah, so I guess the advice I'd want to give is money and investing can feel like it's not for you. And if that's where you are, just know that um, you can absolutely learn, you can build wealth, you can create financial freedom for yourself, and it's not going to happen overnight. And that's okay. If you take little baby steps starting today, starting tomorrow, and you start to learn, that's huge. That's how I created financial freedom for myself going from, you know, an art history major who just wanted to do yoga um, Mm -hmm. and uh, to a successful investor who, you know, now I have a degree in wealth management and you do not have to do, you do not have to do what I did. You can learn just a very little amount. You can just spend, you know, an hour every few months updating your accounts. um, If that's how you want to manage your money, there's so many ways to do it, but just know that you can and know that it's worth it for your future. Absolutely. It is. Yeah.
0: Perfect. So if anybody wants to learn more about you and more about investments and how to handle money, where can they
1: find you? Right. So I'm mostly on Instagram right now and my handle is um, at Elodie Wealth. And I think you are Mm -hmm. going to be able to link that in the show notes. So, yeah. And hopefully in the next month or two, I'll have a website up and, and I will announce it on Instagram. I'm, I'm working with someone right now, but um, I also think, you know, if anybody wants to, wants to get started learning and wants to reach out to me on Instagram, but isn't really quite ready yet, I can also recommend a bunch of books and things like that, that can help you get started. So don't be shy. <laughs> yeah. I want to oh. make sure that everybody has the opportunity. So absolutely
0: thank you so much for your time Deirdre. I'm so happy I could get you here and we could get started with some of the basics about investing and in that it's not so scary it doesn't have to be that risky and we can get started no matter where we are in our lives yeah thank you so much for all. it's been great